Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome in to a Sunday fun day edition of the Sox on Tap podcast. It's Tony Marchese alongside. Once again, it's Surly Steve at NWI underscore Steve on the Twitter. We're here to talk about the end of the first half of the 2023 season. Thank God, Steve. It's just been El Brutel out there, if I do say so myself. It's the Socks on Tap Sunday Fun Day Show. Steve, how you doing, my friend? Anthony, can I say I'm doing good? Nah, uh, nah. You'd probably be lying if you, if you said that. I'm not doing good. Nah, nah. Um, this is just a miserable, miserable experience that we're having right now. Um, Sal, yeah, you're right. <laughs> In the comments right here, Mr. Sal, it's over, boys. It's half over, but it's not It's not fully over. We still have uh, a whole back half of, of summer to talk about this team and somehow find a way to get through it together, Sal. But thank you for joining us. Uh, Steve, man, just an abysmal, abysmal series loss at the hands of another Central Division dumpster fire, the St. Louis Cardinals, and uh, Sox find a way to drop two out of three to St. Louis at home to wrap up uh, the first half of the season before the All-Star break. We're going to have to just sort of get through these games and we can talk about other things. The MLB draft is going on right now, uh, so we've got a White Sox selection to talk about. They picked 15th overall just about an hour-ish ago, Steve, and uh, we'll get to that draft pick after we fly through some of these uh, fly through some of these Cardinals games that uh, just did not go the White Sox way. Sox did start the series off with a victory uh, on Friday night, which was – Nice, I guess you can say. Uh, they did have some offensive approach at the end of that ball game uh, that started in the sixth inning there with a, with a nice crooked number that was put up on the board. We love to see that. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't happen all too often. So we'll talk about that in just a second. Before we do, be sure you're following the show at Socks on Tap on Twitter. Join us in the YouTube as our guy Sale is right now. Uh, out here in the comments section so we can feature your comments on the show. Uh, we can't feature comments on Twitter, but we can on YouTube. So hop on over, subscribe to Ontap Sportsnet on YouTube. Can, can, can we include comments on threads? I don't think we can include comments on threads. Threads, Twitter, no comments, YouTube, yes. We're, we're very big uh, YouTube people here, Steve. That's that's the place to be to follow Ontap Sportsnet and the Socks on Tap show. No, no threads. That's not confirmed yet if we're going to get commenting ability from Mark Zuckerberg on threads. I don't even think we can stream live there. So who knows if that'll ever happen. Yeah. I mean, are you on the new social medias yet, Steve? No, no, you, okay. you have to, I, I was told that apparently you have to have an Instagram in order to have a threads and Oof. I don't do the Instagram um, because, you know, listen, um, I'm not vain enough to be posting pictures of myself all the time. So I have really no use for the Instagram. So am I going to be on threads? Nah, nah. Steve, you can find Steve on Twitter is what you're saying. That's you literally NWI underscore Steve content. You have to follow him on Twitter. And, 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 and I mean, listen, you know, I have been known to disappear from, from the twatter machine from time to time. So you know, listen, tomorrow's promise to none of us in the social media sphere. Yeah, uh, very, you know, 
just out of nowhere disappearing X from from Steve on on the socials, and we're going to try and avoid that happening this season, Steve. But uh, I feel like I want to run and hide right now as a White Sox fan. It's it's not great out there. It's not it's, great out there. It's really not. We talked about this uh, Thursday when we wrapped up that Toronto series that somebody was going to have to win these games over the weekend. And both these teams just really tried their hardest not to. I think especially today, um, and, and I know we're kind of, I'm kind of jumping ahead here a little bit, but it was really like neither team wanted to be there. It was almost as if they all had – flights that they were looking to catch to maybe go have a little two, three day siesta with the family uh, with side pieces or, or, or whatever it is they got going on during the course of the baseball season here. Uh, neither one of these teams really seemed interested in this baseball game today, but overall 10,000 foot view, my God, this was a disgusting series between just two disgustingly awful baseball teams. Yeah, and both of these teams are built to uh, compete within their division, Steve. I think that's what's surprising about the Cardinals um, as well as the White Sox this year uh, is that they're both just utterly terrible. I don't understand how a team with Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado can uh, have as many struggles as the Cardinals do, but uh, they found a way to come up with two victories here in Chicago. Um, just looking at Friday's ball game, Steve, Dylan Cease, uh, he did that thing again that neither you nor I like to see and worked himself way too hard through the first couple of innings. I think he was nearing like 80 pitches in the fourth or fifth there. I don't like to see that. I don't like to see that at all, um, especially as we near the trade deadline. If uh, if he is a move, if, if he is a target to be moved. Uh, man, just the wasted bullets from Dylan Cease here once again on Friday. And uh, the Cardinals were able to jump out to a five to nothing lead by the top of the third inning. Any thoughts on Mr. Dylan Cease's performance on Friday? Something that we see from Dylan Cease far too often, just being inefficient around the plate, um, not getting ahead and counts consistently. And he got knocked around early on in that game. Now, to his credit, um, you can say that he hung in there and, you know, was able to provide some length, was be able to record 18 outs, which is, I don't know if the listeners know this, something I kind of harp on quite a bit, maybe once in a while. Just a little bit. Time. Unconfirmed. Time. So he was able to do that, but again, it wasn't really a quality 18 ounce, let's just call it what it is here. So that's just, um, that was really disheartening. He had started to throw the ball better, um, I would say, over the course of the last month or so. So to see him go out there and just have the clunker on Friday, uh, pretty irritating. And for once, you know, the, the bats just went out there and actually picked up a starting pitcher. I mean, we haven't seen that whole lot this year. You know, the Cardinals go out there, they jump out to a 5 nothing lead, and you're just thinking, okay, well, you know, just let's just go ahead and shut this thing down, try to keep them out of double digits, and, uh, you know, see what happens on Saturday. Um, but he kept them at 5 and um, caused the bullpen to only have to cover 9 outs. So I guess if, if we're going to take – you know, solace in something, we can take it in that. 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely unconventional, Steve, but uh, he got some help from the offense, like you said. Uh, and uh, you, you love the uh, multi-run home run, Steve. I believe there was a multi-run home run that helped the White Sox get back in this ballgame, Steve. What are your thoughts there? I like when the White Sox deploy the multi-run homer strategy. The 1% of baseball teams should not be the only ones deploying the multi-run homer strategy. I would like to see the White Sox deploy it more frequently. Multi-run homers are a baseball human right. You heard it here first. That was Steve Sanders right there for you, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Steve, Jake Berger, Luis Robert Jr., getting it done with the long ball. Sox hit two of them there. Uh, and are able to overcome the five-run deficit uh, and win this one by a final of eight to seven. Just wrapping up the pitching, you talked about how they only had to cover, uh, was that just nine outs there? That was Middleton who came in. He had a little bit of trouble, does give up two runs himself. And then Santos, who's been a pleasant story, I would think, through the first half of the season. Hasn't gotten a lot of airtime on the show or just in general, but he has been – a very pleasant surprise out of this White Sox bullpen that's just completely battered up at the moment. But uh, Santos comes in, works a, a, a clean inning, strikes out one. He does give up two hits, but nothing gets across. His ERA is sitting right now at 2.82. I think that's very impressive for uh, a reliever who really wasn't earmarked as a high leverage guy this year. And he's gotten some, some high leverage looks lately and uh, has looked good doing so. And then Kendall Graveman, who has just been Jacqueline Hyde and thrust into this closer role since Liam Hendricks has, uh, went back on the IL with the uh, the arm issues. Uh, Graveman does get through that, uh, does walk a batter and, and, and give up a hit, but uh, he's able to close that ball game down, earns the save there. And uh, White Sox send everybody home happy on Friday. Saturday's ball game, Steve, not so happy fans as they were exiting the ballpark at 35th and Shields. Uh, the offense that we saw in the late innings on Friday completely disappeared. Sox not able to do shit on Saturday. Uh, you get shut out by a final of three to nothing. Steve, uh, I believe that was Tuki Toussaint who got the start there. Um, the White Sox have no starting pitching depth. It's, it's very evident at this point, but uh, Mr. Toussaint, goes out and gives you five innings, which I thought was pretty decent, uh, only allows two runs there. Uh, thoughts on Tuki Toussaint and, uh, you know, the White Sox scrap heap uh, pitching approach that we've got going on here right now? So Tuki is kind of interesting. I mean, this is a guy that was a former number one overall pick. He was a top 100 prospect um, at times, and he was a guy that actually – um, you know, when your boy Tony LaRusa and Dave Stewart were busy ruining the Arizona Diamondbacks, um, traded to the Atlanta Barbs for Shelby Miller at the time. Um, so Toussaint is a guy that has pedigree and he's bounced around a lot. He has not had success at the major league level. It's almost akin to Philip Umber. That's that's a that's a name that I, I kind of looked at and you love that name. About. I mean, I love that, you know, from, you know, April 21st of 
2012. I mean, that was a really special day. Um, but the similarities there are, are interesting. I mean, Umber was a guy that was a number three overall pick out of Rice, um, you know, by the uh, by the New York Mets, I, I want to say it was. Bounced around, went from there to the Twins, um, and then eventually found his way to the Sox in the 2011 season. And in the second half of that season, actually threw the ball pretty well, kind of unheralded for a team that, much like this 2023 version, um, went in, had very high expectations. That was the infamous Hashtag all in year that um, went colossal, colossally bad. And um, Umber in the second half of that season threw the ball pretty well for that team to the point where he earned himself a spot in the starting rotation in the early goings of 2012, allowing him to have that magical day in Seattle. Um, you know, 11 years ago that I don't know if, I don't know if our listeners know this. I actually was at that perfect game. I've never heard that before. Tell it's me more. Tr- it's, it's hashtag confirmed. I was there. I was there. I saw it with these eyes. Big if true. But, um, you know, so maybe look with Lucas Giolito um, today, possibly making his final start at the corner of 35th and Shields, he will surely be gone at the end of the month. Now we're starting to hear some chatter about Lance Lynn um, possibly being on his way out. I would venture to say that Tukey is probably a guy that is lined up to see more starts the remainder of the year. And the stuff actually didn't look bad on Saturday. Uh, obviously, you want to see him be able to get more than five innings out of him, but he's kind of in a little bit of a build-up phase here. But maybe he has that, that Phil Umber role for the remainder of this season. Could be foreshadowing. You never know. I think he's probably in line to get more starts if the White Sox do decide to uh, trade away some of the uh, current members of the starting rotation. It looks pretty probable that they will, um, just given where we're at at this juncture. Uh, But, you know, I I thought overall Tukey's come in here and, Added some much-needed depth that uh, the White Sox haven't had. I don't expect him to be a lights-out guy uh, for this White Sox rotation by any stretch of the imagination. I have a feeling he's going to run into some trouble uh, down the stretch here. But uh, we need guys to fill roles, Steve, and and get outs, and and that's why he's here right now. Uh, The rest of the White Sox pitchers on Saturday included Aaron Bummer, Reynaldo Lopez, and uh, Tanner Banks, who did throw two innings and, and winds up giving up the third uh, run, courtesy of uh, a long ball that he gave up there in the ninth to make it three nothing. The White Sox had a couple of chances here late in this ball game. Steve, just more frustration. We don't even need to break it down for people. Just more absolute frustration watching this team try and get runs across. The uh, runs across the plate here with uh, runners in scoring position. Uh, how are you handling this as a White Sox fan when you see this day in, day out, Steve? How am I handling it, Anthony? How yeah, am I asking you how you're handling it. And maybe the listeners, the listeners can let us know too how they're handling it every single time the White Sox, uh, you know, seem to be in a position to strike and then just seemingly can't get the job done in situations like we saw on Saturday. I mean, pretty frequently I want to take an ice pick and jam it into my eyes watching this team at the plate. It is just, 
we are past a point of frustration with their inability to piece together quality at bats. And it's basically just kind of gotten to a point where you expect them to fail. This is where we are right now. You don't expect good things to happen when the White Sox have chances offensively. And that is a terrible, terrible place to be as a baseball fan. No, you don't want to you don't want to be in, in our shoes right now. We're down bad. Down bad. Sox drop Saturday's ball game three nothing, as I said. And then we go to today, and it's it's more of the same, Steve. This one was an extra innings affair as we wrap up the first half of the 2023 season. Sox drop it by a final of four to three. You were there, Steve. You got to uh head on out to Jerry's world and uh you know just be in attendance for the uh, the final game before the White Sox head on off into break and uh, then head on a very long road trip following the break. I don't think we're back home until they face off against the Cubs, as you and I were discussing prior to hitting that little go live button here. Um, so you got to enjoy some July home White Sox baseball, Stephen. And uh, I don't know if you enjoyed it or not, but no, uh, you I were didn't. out at the park. You were out at the park nonetheless. Yeah. I decided to go in there and uh, take in my final serving of gelato at the corner of 35th and Shields because it's very unlikely that he makes another start at home for this team. Um, that's just where we're at, to be honest with you. And he went out there and he threw the ball well. gave up two runs over seven innings. As I mentioned earlier, neither of these teams seemed particularly interested in being there today. Um, I think in about the eighth inning here, we were just about the two-hour mark. Um, these these at-bats and these plate appearances were very quick, which as someone that watches the Sox on a day-in and day-out basis isn't something I'm not accustomed to. In fact, it was hilarious. I got up to go to the pisser at one point, and as I'm coming back, um, you know, Len Casper is talking on the radio about the fact that they hadn't drawn a walk, and, and this was before Grandal had his pinch hit walk. They hadn't drawn a walk since Friday night, so they had gone 16 fucking innings without drawing a walk. This just plays into everything that I wrote about earlier on in the week, how dysfunctional this offense has been this season and going back for 10 years now. They have no semblance of plate approach. They are allergic to walks. They treat walks like they're the fucking plague. They just go out there and they just swing. That's all they do. You got Tim Anderson, a fucking ground ball factory out there. And I got some dope in my fucking mentions saying that Zach Remillard made a good play, you know, giving away one of their two remaining outs with the worst hitter in baseball coming up behind him. Go fuck yourself. Ah, you're talking about the uh, the chance that uh, the White Sox had in which uh, Zach Remillard bunted directly to Paul Goldschmidt. And, uh, yes, we're going we're, we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna risk giving away one of our two remaining outs for 90 feet with the worst hitter in the league over the course of the last 12 months on deck. Genius strategy. That's really smart stuff right there. 
Yeah, Steve, I want to talk about this actually a little bit more in depth here, uh, as it was the critical moment in today's ball game, in my opinion here, with uh, Zach Remillard's at bat, and then just the Tim Anderson aspect to this. Here's Tim Anderson now up with two outs after Remillard fails to uh, get the bunt down in the in the spot that he needs to. What I want to know is, did any of the beat writers, did anybody that has access to Pedro Grafol after the game, ask him where the bunt came from? I did not see this, so that's unconfirmed. It, it could have been asked. Um, I have not seen any mention of it on my Twitter timeline uh, up into this juncture, so I could be wrong. But that would be a wonderful question. Seems like a really important question that somebody might want to ask, and I hope to God somebody that gets paid to be there did. I mean, Stephen, let's let's just think about this for a second. Did did anybody want the bat in Tim Anderson's hands no. with two outs there? Like, did did you not see the writing on the wall when he was in the on deck circle? Yes, because I did. I felt it right there. And for a brief for a brief second, I thought to myself, man, maybe he's going to get a hit here. Maybe just he vintage Tim Anderson's going to knock one into right field and the runs are going to come in and we'll get the job. You needed one run, one run. All Remillard had to do there instead of bunting was hit a sacrifice fly, drive one into the outfield. Fuck a ground ball. to second base might have gotten the job done. But we did the one thing besides striking out that you just can't do in that situation to then put the bat into Tim Anderson's hands. I, I Man, I sent in on the ask, ask me anything, ask us anything on the postgame show the other night. Would Ozzie Guillen have Tim Anderson batting second? I believe his answer was no after Chuck Garfine brutally slaughtered my name all over NBC Sports Chicago last night. How did he pronounce that, by the way? I believe he gave it the good old Marchese. Which I've I've heard before. Yeah, it's, heard a, it's, it's, it's been a you know it's been a real tough weekend for you and your people. I mean, Noodle Boy getting fucking benched after leading the team to an zero and two performance on so Italian I heard he Heritage Night. I don't know if you got the, uh, the mean, injury update. You know, it kind of it kind of seems convenient that we're talking about an injury now after Noodle Boy you know goes out there and has a performance he has on Italian Heritage Night when the team goes zero and two. Seems pretty convenient to me. But you, you know, know, your racism is just on full display. Whoa! Here whoa! Tonight. Whoa! It's anti-Italian American discrimination Anthony, that we've got whoa, going on right whoa. now. It's very, very hurtful stuff. I am, I am brutally offended right here on these airwaves. I mean, this, I have a couple two tree Italian new, friends I know. This this kind of slander that's going on right here. I'm I'm pretty sure Sales in here too. I'm sure he's he's pretty upset with uh with your your language choices right now, Stephen. But I did hear he's got a bad wrist, which has bothered him all year. I'm surprised, though, as well as you are, to hear that come out today prior to the game versus like when they decided not to play him yesterday. I don't know why that didn't make the news either. Um, This team doesn't make sense. This team doesn't make sense at all to me. Just like bunting in that situation with Zach Remillard. Just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty imperative that somebody find out who ordered the bond. Hmm. It's it's kind of like who ordered the code red? Who ordered the bond? I want to know. Could it have been Mr. Pedro Grafol? If it was, I fire him immediately. Fireable offense. You think so? 
fireball offense. Hmm. Yeah, it was not good. Not a good choice. Not we're not making good choices at 35th and Shields. Whether it's coming from the dugout or whether it's coming from the batter's box, it's it's not good stuff. Sal is here. Was among the Italians, real greaseball shit. Thank you, Sal. We needed that here on Socks on Tap Sunday, fun day as we continue on talking about the most miserable team that has ever taken the baseball field, your 2023 Chicago White Sox. Steve, I don't have much else from this Cardinal series outside of saying it was pitiful. It was disgusting. The Sox had the ability to once again win three baseball games, and they only mustered one victory out of this series this is just so bad. And we started this week with Rick Hahn, or we started this homestand with Rick Hahn talking about how this team can turn it around. Do you think he observed these baseball games this week, or was he preparing for the 2023 MLB draft? And uh, he'll get back to consuming White Sox baseball after the All-Star break. What do you think? You know... I really don't know what lawyer boy does around these parts anymore. I can assure you though, that Ken Williams is just shocked. You can't even see the shock behind these shades right now with how poorly this homestand went. I'm sure KW is, is very upset um, at his, at his baseball team right now, as, as we sit here and and talk about them. Uh, This was pretty embarrassing. Once again, just, I don't, I don't really have much else to say about this series. Just fucking embarrassing. Flush it, I guess. Flush it. I love it. We can flush it. I, I'm still not sure if the toilet even works at this point because they've been taking a lot of dumps. Big, hef, heavy, hefty dumps in this toilet. And, uh, yeah, that Plumbers 911 uh, sponsorship would have gotten a real great workout this year for White Sox losses had they decided to, you know, partner up with somebody and, keep the just flush it thing going. But I'm pretty sure after the gifts and the memes started rolling out with just flush it, uh, that was removed from the uh, White Sox manager's vernacular uh, for the remainder of this season, because uh, I don't even know if we can flush it anymore. I think the shit's just all sitting in the toilet. Yeah, there's definitely a backup. And, um, you know, you really got to get some, some, Plumbers that are the absolute best at their craft at this point in order to be able to uh, navigate their way through this giant pile of shit Mm -hmm. that is at the corner of 35th and Shields. It's bad. It smells. It's bad. Fucking terrible. It smells terrible. It's bad. (laughs) It's bad. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There it is. Steve, that's it. First half's over. I'd love to sit here and talk about how we can't you know, just dwell on the first half, but we will because it was terrible. We've got all-star break coming up. Your guy, Luis Robert Jr. is going to be participating in the 2023 home run derby tomorrow. He's ready to launch them. I don't know if if everybody's going to be able to handle the amount of our roles that are going to be coming out of Northwest Indiana tomorrow night. Listen, um, I've tried to warn the local authorities that um, there could be a surplus of our rules emanating from the 219 area code. 
Um, I've tried to set expectations. I've tried to alert the neighbors, call your friends, call your daughters, call your sons, call your neighbors. I've tried to let them all know. If you hear them, our roles, don't be scared. It's just Luis Robert Jr. launching baseballs. Yes. Are you expecting big things out of Luis Robert Jr. tomorrow night? How far do you think he is going to make it in this derby? And do you have a, a home run total prediction uh, for Luis Robert Jr.'s night? I will say I'm very surprised that he was um, selected as the number one overall seed for this event, given that um, Pete Alonso is partaking. And isn't he a, the two-time reigning champion? I believe he has won a few of these. So and, uh, I, I don't think he had the best showing last year, if I remember okay. correctly. I believe okay. that, uh, what was it, Julio Rodriguez took the uh, – okay. Took the championship last year. Alonzo had some struggles. I'm a home run. I love the home run derby personally. I think they should go back to the old format before they put the uh, uh, the new uh, what is it uh, timer thing in here and all this nonsense. Go back to the standard ten outs and let it ride the way that uh, it was it was meant to be. But now it's all convoluted. But I, I still think that the, the selection of Luis Robert Jr. as number one overall is, is very shocking to me. Yeah, so uh, as I've talked about frequently, anytime that uh, the White Sox come into something with expectations, I don't expect things to go well. So would I be surprised if uh, Luis Robert Jr. gets bounced in the first round? No, I wouldn't. Not good. <laughs> I it's wanted, just where we're at. Wanted some semblance of positivity on the show. I got nothing. I think he makes it out of the first round. I think All he. Right. I think he hits maybe fifteen to twenty bombs in the first round. I'll go out on a limb. He's gonna. So, so you're calling for a full blown Cuban Missile Crisis here? Yes, in Seattle. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what I would like to see. We need something to be happy about this season, and uh, we've we've been pleasantly surprised with uh, Luis Robert Jr. Uh, at least I have been. I'm, I'm sure there's other out there as well that uh, have been been sort of shocked that after the uh, the old incident uh, where he didn't run to first base, how far we've come from that day. And I, I will say, the benching in that situation worked. Whether his legs were tired or not, his legs. Haven't been tired. Let's hope his legs are well rested for tomorrow because we need something to cheer and root for here in the White Sox fandom. And uh, a nice home run derby performance from Luis Robert Jr. would go a long way to make me feel just a little bit better about this baseball team, or at least one player on it. I'd take it gladly. Gladly. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. You know, this is going to be the first time I'm going to actually uh, digest a home run derby in – Many, many years. So uh, for as long as he is attempting to launch baseballs, I will be tuning in. So, you know, if uh, he makes a deep run, I, you know, have a dual TV set up tomorrow. So, hey, you know, the Homer Derby can find his way on one of the monitors for sure. There you go. And I'm sure we're going to have a nice little recap of uh, all the bombs that he hits up on ontapsportsnet.com tomorrow at the conclusion of the Home Run Derby. Whenever that is for Luis Robert, we'll uh, we'll have that covered over there for you at ontapsportsnet.com. What's on tap in Chicago sports? Be sure you're checking that out. Steve, you had an article 
on that website earlier this week uh, that was very depressing. Yeah, very depressing. Source, my eyeballs. You want to talk about a little bit about what you wrote? Do I want to talk about it? No, I don't. I don't. But I will for the people because I'm here for the people. Um, Look, basically, here's what it comes down to. For 10 years now, this offense has been absolutely putrid. Outside of the little Mickey Mouse season in 2020 and for half a season in 2021, they have been one of the worst offenses in the sport. I'm old enough to remember, and I know some of our listeners are too. You're not, Anthony, but I am. I'm old enough to remember when the White Sox were known for offense. They were known for home runs. They were known for fireworks. Guys like Frank Edward Thomas were launching balls into the night. Robin Ventura, Paul Canerco, Jermaine Dye, the MVP. What are you talking about I don't remember these people? I've I've seen all of these people play. I mean, how, how much did you really see Robin Ventura play? Pretty decent amount. I was at the ballpark as a young child watching Robin Ventura man third base. How about Julio time. Franco in 1994? I was I was not at the ballpark okay. in '94. Yeah, yeah. I was not in the ballpark in '94, but I was alive. Okay, okay. I was alive. I, I believe I had a little White Sox hat on my head, and I was uh, probably about three years old, just uh, you know consuming White Sox baseball before the strike took place. I, I, I was not old enough to remember that there was a strike, but I think there's a couple two tree pictures of me in the uh, in the old White Sox cap. As a, as a young lad, my formative years. Nevertheless, that's what Sox fandom was for me up until I was 28 years old. And it was fun. Going to the ballpark was fun. They were short on delivering success more oftentimes than not during that period. But at least you could go to the ballpark and you could enjoy yourself because you knew something ex- or you felt something exciting was going to happen. You had that feeling. You had that vibe. Going to the ballpark used to be the highlight of my day for six months out of the fucking year for the 30 to 50 times when I would go. Now, it's a fucking chore because this team is just so brutal to watch offensively. They they don't walk. They don't take pitches. They swing at everything. They strike out so much. They don't hit for power. They don't do any of the things that you have to do in the year of our Lord 2023 to win baseball games consistently. And until that improves, the fortunes of this team and the mood of this fan base, frankly, will not improve. And this isn't just a new... Are you saying, Steve... That the beatings will continue until morale improves? I am exactly saying that, Anthony. And this isn't just a a hitting coach problem. Because, and I outlined this in the piece, this is something that has spanned multiple administrations here. Robin Ventura, Ricky Renteria, Sleepy McDrunkface, now Pedro Grafol. You have all the hitting coaches. You brought in Todd Steverson from the Oakland A's. What were the Oakland A's known for? Patience, walks, taking pitches, having a plate approach. Did any of that happen when Todd Steverson was here? No, not entirely his fault. Okay. Shitty roster construction going on during that time frame. So you can't put it all on him. But you would think that some of the guys that they brought in here 
would have taken on some of those qualities. You would have thought. You have Jose Castro now coming over from the Barves. And I tell you what, I watched that team last night against the Rays. They go nine up, nine down, first time through the order. Then the fourth inning, boom, a fucking explosion happens. They put four runs on Tampa so damn quick. And that's how it happens with that team. And guess where the Sox get to go first series out of the All-Star break? Right down to the ATL. My God, it's going to be a bloodbath. Are you heading your way down there, Steven? I will not. I will not be going down there until the last week of the month when the Sox are nowhere to be seen. Hmm. I was wondering if you'd be down there in your Barves hat rooting against your Chicago White I, I absolutely would not do that under any circumstances. Hence, I am going there when they are not playing the Sox because the thought of having to witness that massacre in person makes me want to vomit. Because it's well, going to be witness ugly. it on your TV screen. It'd be nice. I mean, witnessing it in person would be even worse. Hmm. We'll see. What does that series start? Friday? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe I'll open up the garage. We could watch it together in misery. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if that happens. Maybe we'll maybe we'll try and set something up. Uh, and I, I, I can, can get behind. I can get behind that. Greater point though. This issue. There is something deep rooted within this organization. That has to be cleansed. I don't know what it is. But you you bring in people from outside organizations, successful organizations, whether it's on the coaching side of it, or you look at some of the players that have been brought in. in are, you free speak, are, are you trying to say that they need an exorcism? That's, that, that, that's perfect. That's perfect. That might be what needs to happen. Because this shit is so far off the rails. And it has been for so long that literally it's almost like how do you how do you even begin to fix this? Because you would have thought four managers into this and all these different hitting coaches into it, at some point they would have found the right person somewhere in there to articulate the message correctly and to get the most out of players and to get guys having a consistent unified approach across the organization. It's not happening something is fundamentally wrong here but nothing changes and steve wrote about that over on tapsportsnet.com you can head on over to our white Sox section and get all of his rumblings about the white Sox offensive approach that has plagued this team far and wide for many many years and uh it's it's a beautiful read steve if you uh if you like to vomit at the end of it, but uh, sometimes that's what we do here as White Sox fans. I wanted to vomit writing it. It was painful to edit as well. Imagine uh, having to look at the data. As you know, we are nothing without the data. Imagine having to pull that. Yeah, you are You are doing the Lord's work there. Real man of the people stuff. Look at all this data here. That together. We had data yep, everywhere. And, uh, we got Robert Daniel in the comments. Uh, Rickon is awful at his job. He... Uh, that's sort of de- we've sort of deduced that, uh, Robert. But thank you for joining us. I see Stale was uh, Sale still in here, uh, and we got a couple other people who have popped into the comments. We'll get to as many as we can as we wind down Sunday Fun Day here at Sox on Tap. Steve, the MLB draft is taking place right now. I'm not sure if the White Sox have made their second selection yet, but they have made their first, and uh, the White Sox took a short stop with their first overall selection. Left-handed hitting, right-handed fielding, shortstop, Mr. Gonzalez out of Mississippi at 15 
overall. Steve, scouting report on this kid uh, has some some concerning things within it. Uh, although some scouts believe that Gonzalez can stick at shortstop, uh, his speed may be an issue. Uh, they've cited that the speed out of the box is not great. Uh, he is heralded for his plate approach, as some other former White Sox draft picks were. I'll let you get to that in just a second as you evaluate this number one selection from the Chicago White Sox. Uh, he, he has walked more than he struck out. Uh, some scouts are believing that he can reach the 25 home run mark. I've watched this kid swing, Steve. It looks pretty nice uh, from the left side. Uh, I will say so myself. I'm a little concerned on the defense. One of my biggest issues with the Nick Madrigal pick, and I'm not going to say that this kid's going to be Nick Madrigal. I, I hope and pray that he does not turn into Nick Madrigal. Well, he, well he's life-size, so that's a good start. Yes, 6'2", 200 pounds. Uh, I forgot to read the height and weight, so if you were – worried when I said Nick Madrigal there. Uh, he, he, this kid is uh, definitely built different uh, than the uh, the former White Sox number four overall selection. Uh, but Gonzalez, man, uh, there's, there's some people who are saying he might have to shift over to third, maybe second base. And that worried me when I read that about Nick Madrigal, who was originally listed as a shortstop and then obviously uh, was displaced at short during his collegiate career. Uh, Gonzalez has not been. However, there is some things in the scouting board that says he may need to shift positions as he ascends up the uh, minor league baseball ranks and makes his way up to the major leagues, assuming he gets there. But uh, I'm okay with this pick, Steve. Um, there were some mock drafts that had him going in the top 10. Uh, then again, I believe he was the number 18th ranked overall according to MLB.com's prospect rankings entering the draft. Any thoughts, Steve, on the White Sox number one selection? I don't have a lot of thoughts on it. I mean, I haven't really dug deep into the draft this year, but I will just say on the surface level, it seems like a rather safe, uninspiring pick. Personally, I would have preferred them to go the high school route, particularly with an up-the-middle player. The thing that I will say is in drafting a collegiate player, at least it was someone that played for three years at a high-level program and won a national championship playing up the middle. Okay, so that's that's at least more palatable. Um, the talk about potentially having to shift to second base, look, that's not something that is entirely uncommon for guys when, when they get drafted. The best of the best defensively are the guys that are going to stick at shortstop not a lot of guys are able to do that. Um, if he has to end up shifting to second base and finds his way over to 35th and Shields, a, a left-hand hitting second baseman, it's not the worst thing in the world. I would I would tend to agree with you there, Steve. Um, there's an article up uh, over at ontapsportsnet.com if you want to get all of his uh, prospect ratings and, and scouting reports. And uh, there's even a nice little video clip of him in there so you can see him swinging the bat but uh i'll just read these off real quick he grades out overall to 55 speed is 40 uh power 55 so i like that i like that from a, a guy up the middle steve somebody who can potentially reach i'm not going to give him 25 I'll, I'll make a prediction here and say maybe he hits 20 bombs but when you look up the middle for the chicago white Sox right now second and short are problem areas i, I like the fact that they have, why because you have one home run combined i mean 
that might be a problem. Let's let's think about that for just a second. That might actually, be a, actually, actually a no, problem. actually no, I th- actually no, I think Romy has three. Doesn't well, he's not playing right now. Well, let's go active yeah, roster, guys. Oh, okay. We're just going active roster. Okay. We'll go active roster. Actually, no. Didn't didn't the Andrews have two? Maybe might have two. It's okay. under five. Okay. I think, it's total. It's not good. It's, it's not, not good. good. Not good at all. So somebody with some power up the uh, up the middle uh, is is music to my ears. You already have Colson Montgomery in the system, and hopefully uh, he starts to pan out. I know he's playing some baseball again. There were concerns about him maybe having to shift over as well, but to see the White Sox address this with their number one overall pick, he's not coming to 35th and Shields tomorrow, Steve. It's going to be a year or two, probably, I would think, before we maybe even see him in AAA. Um, But just from a pipeline development thing here, uh, I like the fact that they went shortstop uh, or or even second base here because the Sox are going to need somebody there especially through this next rebuild. I would assume Tim Anderson's time with the Chicago White Sox is, is soon over. And to have somebody to at least look forward to taking over uh, up the middle at 35th and Shields is uh, is definitely promising. I like that move. Um, the only other thing I was, was sort of thinking here was do the White Sox go and draft somebody a la Garrett Crochet in the first round that can come pop up here and uh, eat innings, which I thought would be a waste of a pick. Um, but I'm I'm happy with the direction they took here overall. I believe you're on the mute, Stephen. It, it's it's a safe pick. Uh, the fact that it's an up the middle player makes it more palatable. You know, getting away from you know drafting relievers and corner players. I was never really a big fan of that strategy. I think especially in, when it comes to your first pick, you need to draft a guy that's either going to be a starting pitcher or an up-the-middle player. Whether they stay at shortstop, whether they stay at center field, you know, what have you. But center of the diamond is where you should be focused with your first pick, in my baseball world anyway. Steve? I think that's a, a ringing endorsement for what the White Sox did here. Although they did focus up the middle when they went to Nick Madrigal there, and we all know how that worked out. Another yeah, but he, again, from- again, he's the Keebler elf. I mean, that doesn't count. Okay, that right, that's so we'll again, that that's how away. that's how you lose your job as a scouting director. Well, that did happen. We've yeah. got we've got another yeah. comment in here from Meds now. I don't know if this is one of Steve's doctor friends, but he says he loves the content <laughs> as much as he loves the White Sox. Thanks, Meds, now uh, for tuning in here. Steve, it's time for final thoughts here on Socks on Tap Sunday Funday. We're heading into break. Maybe we'll come back with the show uh, later on in the week and, and dissect some other first halfy things. Uh, but until then, uh, it's going to be the uh, the darkest days of summer without baseball. Maybe it's going to be a nice reprieve for everybody who's suffered through watching the first half of this 2023 White Sox team. Uh, but here we are. We're getting near the end. Steve, how are you spending your all-star break? Well, as I mentioned to you, I've got a dual monitor set up tomorrow, so I'll have the Home Run Derby on uh, one screen. I'll have Monday Night Raw on, on the other. Tuesday, I'm, I'm going to take the game in. I, I do like watching the all-star game. It's really the only all-star game that is really worth being played or paying any attention to. 
at, at the end of the day, that one-on-one pitcher versus hitter matchup, I mean, you got the best of the best in there, aside from guys like Whit Merrifield, who, you know, and Michael Lorenzen, who have no business being there, and a few others. Um, it, it's still fun. I still like it. And one of the things that I always enjoy is watching and, and listening to the player introductions. You know, so when you hear Luis Robert get his name announced, that's something I always enjoy. The fact that he is not starting in this game, the fact that Austin Hayes is starting ahead of him is an absolute Criminal. fucking joke. A fucking joke. What are we doing here? Okay. But, you know, definitely going to take that game in, so so that'll be a lot of fun. And then Wednesday and Thursday, look, it'll be nice to just kind of breathe a little bit and um, try to flush whatever the fuck this shit was for the first half. <laughs> There you go with the flushing again. Uh, we already discussed how the toilet systems and plumbing systems work around here. Uh, Steve, that's awesome. I, I will also be tuning in to the uh, the old home run derby. It's one of my favorite baseball competitions of the year. And then the all-star game. I, I'm probably a bigger home run derby guy than I am all-star game, but I will be tuned into both of them. I'm going to have some golf coverage coming up. From for on tap Sportsnet this week, Stephen. It's going to be Golf Central. I'll be over at the uh, the media day at Olympia Fields on Tuesday, ahead of the All Star Game, doing some some PGA coverage. So follow Golf on Tap uh, for some of that. I'm going to go and try and hit golf balls at Olympia Fields. Uh, it's going to be scary, Steve. I'm, I'm a pretty big golfer guy, but I don't, I'm not that big of a golfer guy. So we'll see how bad I play. Over but at Olympia Fields when on I, Tuesday. When I think of golf, I just think of the famous line from Happy Gilmore. If I saw myself in clothes like those, I'd have to kick my own ass. Well, Steve, I'm going to put on some funny clothes. I'm going to go over to Olympia Fields, and I'm going to go cover some golf and maybe wash the uh, the White Sox stink off of me for a little while with a different sport. And then uh, maybe we'll see some, some stuff over on the uh, Four Feathers podcast, do some hockey talk. I know we just had our guy Pat Kamiski on over at Four Feathers Pod talking about how much he dislikes. I heard he's Corey a big Perry. Corey, big Corey Perry guy. Yeah, so we'll we'll see if we get some Four Feathers action coming your way over at the uh, OnTap Sportsnet YouTube account uh, this week as well, Steve. It's uh, it's tough, tough to get through these without White Sox baseball games. I know this team sucks right now. It sucks to uh, watch all these losses, but by Thursday, I'm gonna miss watching. White Sox baseball for some odd reason. It happens every year, whether or not it's a good season or a bad season. I don't know if you feel the same way, but the uh, that that week in July that comes around every year that we are entering right now is one of the harder weeks to get through because for some reason sickness, it is a sickness. But you know what? I'm addicted, and I'll admit it. All right. Well, I love the you White Sox. Say you're down. You're down with the sickness. I'm down with the sickness. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. There you go. What uh, what do you got for final thoughts, Stephen? Final thoughts this are: um, this team sucks. I hate them. They 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 make me they make me really <laughs> dislike this sport that I love so much. And um, I talked a lot last year about how that was the least enjoyable White Sox team of my life. And somehow this team has found a way to surpass it. <laughs> Be careful what you say. Or wish for because it always comes back. I wasn't wishing for it. I mean, your season preview may or may not have listen wrote this into existence on the grandest of schemes. Whoa, 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 whoa! Listen, 
listen, when it comes to season predictions, I have to think with my head, not with my heart. Okay. That's just, that's the nature of being a, you know, professional in the journalism field is I can't let my heart dictate what my head thinks. Those are the it's rules. An interesting strategy. I didn't write them. It's an interesting strategy. Hawk Harrelson never let that get in the way, Stephen. Hawk's a better man than I. Yeah. Well, we all love Hawk. Well, some of us do. I'm pretty sure don't. our guy. I'm pretty sure our guy Besnick does not enjoy the Hawk as much as we do. But well, he's entitled to his wrong opinion. That's fair. This is America. Yeah. Think whatever you want to, even when so, you're wrong, Steve. There's no picks to click. There's no, you know, series predictions coming up here. Although we can do a series prediction for Atlanta if you want. I I don't I don't want you to. You don't want to? Oh, okay, 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 okay. Wait, wait, wait. I'll do prediction. Pain. There it is. That's that's it. That's all I've got. That's all I've got for today. Thank you to everybody who tuned in. The YouTube comment section was uh, bumping over here today. We love to see that. So uh, thank you to all of uh, the new listeners who are in here commenting, subscribing, all of that good stuff. We'll be back on the back half of this break. Enjoy the All-Star break. Enjoy Luis Robert Jr. hopefully launching bombs tomorrow on your television screen out in Seattle. You can follow the show at Socks on Tap on Twitter. You can follow Steve at NWI underscore Steve, myself at Tony on Tap on Twitter. You can follow the show. On YouTube, make sure you subscribe. That's youtube.com slash ontapsportsnet. Steve, White Sox forever. White Sox for life.